when you saw the name of this episode, did you assume it was going to be about uh, gambling or poker or, or anything like that? Yeah, I, I definitely was thinking like playing cards in some way or yeah. another. But it's uh, a interesting. That might be like our our uh, uh, TNG bias. Oh, maybe uh, you're talking right. Yeah, there, maybe there's a lot of poker in. I don't know about a lot of poker, but there's definitely poker in that. Yeah, not not so much in. But I mean, you know, uh, Deep Space Nine also has a a casino, basically. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Uh, I kind of would like to. I wonder if there is. I wonder if we'll get to at any point like a a Deep Space Nine like a a casino or something something where where like it is like totally set around like war uh not wharf um cork holding like some kind of major event or maybe there's like an ocean's love in the style like latinum heist or something like it that could be fun. Kind of fun i feel watch. like there's there's definitely potential there <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Out of Contracts, a show where two people who have seen uh, part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And I, I was very in, I was very formal. I, we're two people this time. We're not two guys. Yes, we're not two, two friends. We're, we're just two, two people. Two sentient beings. Making it in this world. Um, <laughs> I, wa- I want to make... Uh, some like coronavirus jokes but i also like by the time this comes out like who knows what that'll either be it it could either be uh everything could be fine or it could be like in really poor taste or yeah so i was thinking uh i guess less of jokes but it it was and yeah because because we do record these ways ahead of when they come out and this is something that obviously has been changing so rapidly by the time this comes out one way or another i think things will be very different than they are right now but did the kind of the opening scene where they're all sitting down to dinner i don't know it just felt very timely for me for different reasons but just that kind of sense of uh like everyone's very awkward and uncomfortable and they there's this sense that something bad is kind of inevitable and about to happen that everyone's kind of sitting and waiting for i don't know it it felt very much like time i mean timely specific to like this week basically yeah we're recording the this and also the next two episodes you'll hear we're recording the on uh march 15th 2020 so right kind of like the weekend after in the united states anyway that the coronavirus stuff really kind of like got real in terms of like national emergency and all that all that stuff yeah, this is the time when kind of everything's being canceled, being encouraged to yeah. not interact with other humans at all. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's an interesting point, though. I mean, in, in the in the show, they're worried about like some incoming Dominion uh, stuff. This is actually I'm Memory Alpha, the episode we're talking about, which we have not actually said yet. The episode we're talking about is uh, Deep Space Nine, uh, season five, episode twenty-five, called "In the Cards," and it is in Memory Alpha. It, is, it says it's in part one of eight for the Dominion invasion arc, um, and uh, so that's what they're nervous about there. Although, to be honest with you, I kind of forgot that they're all nervous about that by the end of the episode because this episode, yeah, it takes <laughs> takes some turns. It does. it does. Yeah, it was mostly that that like opening dinner you could kind of just feel that sense because they're you know they sort of everyone knows that there's going to be this big war that then takes up the next two seasons of deep space nine but you know but it hasn't happened yet and there's just kind of this this sense in this kind of ominousness that's Mm -hmm. that's overlying everything yeah so yeah let's let's get into it this this episode is I, I don't know i feel like at a certain point with star trek you got to stop saying on your show like this is one of the weirdest episodes that we've <laughs> that we've done this episode's pretty strange though um it is uh the 
written by or the, the teleplay is by Ronald D. Moore. The story is by Truly Bar Clark and Scott Neal, uh, and it's directed by Michael Dorn. So oh, hey. good on you, Michael Dorn. Yeah. I guess that also explains why he wasn't in it after the like very first scene. I think. Yeah, he's. I think he's he's in the very beginning and the very end, and then like in the middle they have to yeah. do a, a job for him, but he's not making an appearance. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Also, like he kind of saves that whole opening scene just with his one appearance. Uh, it's so great. Yeah. <laughs> because. <laughs> Uh, not to jump into it too much, but they cool. they start out with this, you know, uh, Captain Cisco has invited everyone, all of the main uh, sort of senior staff for dinner, and they're all sitting around and... A very again, uncomfortable dinner. Everyone's just kind of Yeah, like, everyone's Ugh. very, very awkward. <laughs> and it's because they're, like, some of them want to talk about the war and some of them don't, and everyone's very... It's it's this very uncomfortable scene, and then eventually they all they all break away. And, and I think you... Don't even know that know that Worf is there until like they because uh, he's not standing up. He's just like standing up and like looking at what the Cisco wall. Cisco looks something. up to him and says, I, "I forget what the line he says, but basically says, you know, everyone's leaving. You you don't have to you don't have to stay here anymore." Oh yeah, he says, "Mr. Worf, you've been paroled. The party's over." Is what he says. Yes. And Worf <laughs> kind of looks away for you know he's like staring at a wall or something and looks away and just kind of says, "Thank you," and leaves. Yeah. And like a very it's a very great Worf moment. I thought. Yeah. He doesn't seem like he's the kind for for formal dinners or for <laughs> even for informal dinners, unless there's some gach that he can be digging into. <laughs> Good job. So uh, yeah, the the um, the description of this episode on Memory Alpha is Jake and Nog get into trouble while trying to cheer up Cisco by acquiring a mint condition 1951 Willie Mays rookie card, a rookie baseball card. The Dominion offers to sign a non-aggression pact with Bashor. So I guess that second part. That does happen. That's not yeah, what I think about does. when I think about this episode, though. I, I think about the Willie Mays baseball card part and yeah. all of it. So, yeah, you know, it, as we as we said, this episode is called In the Cards, and we thought it was going to be, I think both thought it was going to be about poker or gambling or whatever, but it's not. It's about, it's, it should be called In the Card, because it's That's only, true, about only one, one card. baseball card that is being sought. But, uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, um, so uh, I, I don't know if this episode was good, but I had a very good time watching it because it is very weird. It's it, it was an experience just, like, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the, in the, in an experience in like the best way that like some, some Star Trek episodes can be. So, yeah. Um, so tell, tell me what happens in this, uh, Brady. So it starts out with, again, with kind of this awkward dinner and you can tell that just everyone on the station, but especially Captain Sisko is just very preoccupied and upset. And Jake, who is uh, Sisko's son, who I know he's appeared in episodes we've done before, but I don't know that we've talked about him very much. I, I think we mostly just talk about his, his weird clothes because all the Star Trek children have. Yeah. So yeah, so Jake hears about this... It's a charity auction. Yeah, this auction that of kind of various artifacts and curiosities that have been found that's going on, and finds out that they're, one of the items that's being auctioned off is a, a Willie Mays rookie card, which somehow wound up in space. Um, and I, I do I do enjoy kind of the the perspective that they offered there, where to everyone, you know, everyone other than humans, it's just presented as you know, human baseball card from mid-20th century. Yeah. It's just kind of this weird, like, it's this piece of paper with some, like, the picture of a some sort of athlete from Earth on it. And, you know, to people who are into baseball, it's just like, oh, wow, that's like the, you know, an incredibly rare, like, the rookie card of the one of the greatest baseball players. Yeah, for, for what it's, yeah, for what it's, um, 
worth uh, to people who are not big baseball fans. Willie Mays played for the New York and San Francisco Giants and then later on the Mets. And um, I believe he was like the second ever player to hit the mo- hit like 600 home runs after Babe Ruth. Yeah, I think he had the, the home rec- home run record until Hank Aaron passed him. So very, uh, extremely good player in like the 50s and 60s. Uh, it's still, still, I would say now, like highly revered so uh you know even even in the future apparently and i, I think actually i was just reading uh or not reading i was just watching a, a deep space nine episode in my free time and they kind of talk about like the death of major league baseball basically that that like it because because the, like there's a, there's a there's a player who was really good but no one was watching baseball at that point basically and so mm. he wasn't but so like Cisco knows who he is but then like he kind of didn't really get the recognition in his time that he was maybe would have maybe even due but but Willie Mays endures even even into the future as like one of the best yeah. uh, ever baseball players. at least among the people that are still baseball fans which is definitely Cisco. Yeah, Cisco and Cisco and Jake and, and like no one else maybe. <laughs> See, it seems it's, like. it's entirely possible, yeah. But yeah, and so and then this leads to so Jake decides he's going to buy this card and give it to his dad to like to cheer him up in this trying time that he's going through. Which leads to and I was going to ask you as a is there any phrase in like in narrative that's more full of foreshadowing than how hard can it be? Because that's yeah. like the last line he says before we go to like the openings. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, hard, hard can it be, and what could go wrong? Or like yeah, two. I was thinking something yeah. like, like what's the worst that could happen? What could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it it is it, it is a, an odd question that he has. How hard can it be to get a card? Because then you do find out immediately after that that uh, he doesn't have any money, and so right. we have to we we must pause our conversation of like what happens in the linear episode to once again uh, dive into the question of what. Is is money in Star Trek and who has it and yeah and this episode I think gives us the, the most kind of ex- explanation or like con- uh, information about that from anyone that has brought it up you know there's been ones where we've just kind of been forced to wonder but they do actually talk about it a little bit in, in this one because because Jake so they, they do but I think as as usual it raises more questions than it answers it may. but it might. So, so Jake does say at one point that he, the, the verbatim line I wrote it down is, "I'm a human. I don't have money." Yeah. But that so uh, he cannot buy the card, and so he's he's trying to get Nog to basically let him, or because Nog has saved up a bunch of uh, gold press latinum like under his bed or something, and and so he's trying to he's trying to guilt Nog, who at this point has been accepted into Starfleet Academy thanks to Cisco's you know influence. And yeah. um, so he's basically saying, like, he kind of he kind of guilts him into giving yeah, him he some does the whole, like, to oh, buy well, the... it's not like he ever did anything for you. Yeah, but so he says, "I'm a human. I don't have money," which doesn't that's that should not be the deterministic factor of whether you have money or not, right? Because it it's not the United Federation of Humans, nor yeah. like, if you were a human that was not under the the uh the purview of of the united federation the federation or at least of earth even yeah you would have you could conceivably use money and also like i think that the idea is is that none of the federation planets use money so you could also be a vulcan and not have money i think right like that's so that, that was what i wasn't sure is is this something that's across the whole federation or is it just specifically that like human society or earth has kind of moved past the use of 
of currency. Was well, yeah, I think he. I think Nog does. This is the this is the episode we were talking about a while ago where money is has like a, a memory alpha entry and oh, is this was one talking about like a, used as a reference for that a currency based society. I believe is what is what it was is what Nog calls it, but. The but 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 it's like if if only humans have money and Vulcans have money, like the question does become it's like well how do any they buy things? Like they're sitting at the when they, when they discover that there's like this Willie Mays baseball card, they're sitting at uh, Quark's bar, bar, and like people yeah, presumably Quark is not giving away drinks and food for free. Yeah, they come they come to Worf's bar all the time, like people who who work at Starfleet and he gives them drinks. So it, it's like does the Federation itself have, have some money or does Starfleet have money where it's like we don't pay people with this, but when we we have like this kind of reserve of latinum that we kind of use to like make a tab for like whenever Starfleet people need to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, yeah, it's it still does not make sense like the way it really money works in this world, but Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting, and, and it's, I think it is a very, you know, at its root, it goes back to the original kind of Roddenberry idea of Star Trek of what is sort of the best that humanity could obtain. You know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of science fiction in, in certain times has kind of been of, you know, these are the dangers of technology and, and progress and kind of, you know, that robots will take all our jobs or threaten to destroy, mm-hmm. destroy us. And, and at least when he originally created Star Trek, the, it was always kind of the, well, what if, you know, all of this technology allowed us to move past the things that currently seem like they are dividing us and providing sources of conflict in that? And so, you know, if you had the ability, if you had just machines that could replicate anything you wanted, then you wouldn't need money anymore. And, and I think Jake says something about, like, we all just work for the betterment of the race as a whole. And it's a very kind of, you know, socialistic ideal is kind of how it seems is if you, if all the resources are just kind of provided for you, then, then does that free up the, the people to do, to just kind of do good for everyone? Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking about something now too. So I, 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 yeah, I, I, sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to change the subject. Like, I think that, you, you know, that's, that's, I think you're right. I, I think that's like where it came from, but then it's funny because like now him not having money is also causing conflict, but yeah, that's uh, true. But I just realized, though, that the the character who they then must procure the baseball card from later on in the episode is a human who purchased it with money. So that's not like that's true. He, with like a lot so of so he money had too. money. Like and 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 I, I guess we don't know whether he is from the Federation or not. But I don't know. It's uh yeah. It's a weird thing for him to say. I'm a human. I don't have money. What, instead of saying like I'm in the Federation. I don't have money. Or but especially when like then later on. Yeah. The a human buys the card with money, but anyway, that's true. that that was Ryan is confused about Star Trek's money corner. Um, so anyway, uh, go on, go on. Our, uh, our regular <laughs> regular feature of the show. Yeah, I, th- I thought about pulling up the the memory alpha page for money again and reviewing it after this episode. But but yeah, I, I guess my other issue with it is that if you know theoretically the thing that enables human society to not need money is technology like replicators and holodecks like a lot of these other races that they deal with have presumably have either equal or even better technology right like humans are not the most technologically advanced race in the galaxy we know that Mm -hmm. so why did like if ferengi could just replicate anything they needed as well then why do they need money i it it just is yeah i mean it's one of those things of either you need it or you don't and i don't understand why uh why sometimes you know races can say like oh we just have moved past and don't need it other than narrative convenience i guess yeah 
So anyways, so they decide they're going to, they need to buy this card. Um, and Jake convinced Nog to let him use his, like, life savings, presumably, to buy this one baseball card. Yeah, he has, um, I, bl- I believe, uh, uh, Nog has uh, five bars of gold press Latinum, which I believe I've looked up, like, like the, the conversion rates for gold press Latinum, and that is quite a lot, I think, because... Um, yeah, because it comes, it sounds like it comes in bars and strips, right? Strips, like right, Like, yeah, strips, too, which presumably is a smaller... Okay, here, yeah. So th- there's there's there is like an actual conversion chart on or conversion table on Memory Alpha. So there are uh, slips, and so 100 slips is. Oh no! I just have discovered there's a we have a new wrinkle in the money thing. Um, oh no! So a um, hundred slips of gold press latinum is one strip of gold press la- gold press latinum, and then 20 strips of gold press latinum is one bar of gold press latinum, which I guess that, that doesn't actually seem like a lot because I feel like I feel like Quark often is 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 also is often charging things in in strips. So yeah, yeah. So the one bar. There's also a brick of gold press latinum, uh-huh. which is not provided for in in a conversion, and there's also a brace of gold press latinum which is also oh. not we don't know how much that is and then there there's also it has also been measured out in kilograms and a case so like one time was all the uh, so it says all the latinum in quark's position at the time of an evacuation of d space nine could fit into one case but okay. so so here's the the real kicker is that it says on here that according to uh Star Trek's short treks, which are the like little shorts that like are set like at the time of discovery, that one big bar of and I don't know like what constitutes a big bar versus not a big bar, I'll grow press that number is equal to one hundred thousand Federation credits. So <laughs> did they have money in that time period in like the discovery slash original series time period and then they've then since abolished it? Cast it? in the TNG era like cuz at some point federation credits were a thing nah, this is i i i can't this is like okay it looks like oh interesting okay so it looks like um that primarily when they're talking about like credits that's like it is like money that the federation makes to give to to Just give for the purpose to, of, of dealing with other yeah races. is that's what it appears like anyway hmm. so uh but i don't know man it's but then it's so is the federation <laughs> that like third world country that just prints a bunch of paper with its leader's face on it and be like, this is our money. Here, you can... Right. We'll give well, you as just, much as you need. Well, now I'm just thinking <laughs> about uh, in episode one of Star Wars where they try to pay for the, the new <laughs> hyperdrive true. in credits and then Watto says that he needs something more real. Like, Yeah. Uh, yeah. But... <laughs> Uh, we've been talking about this for at least at least 10 minutes. <laughs> just what money is. But just money. I mean, I think we sense. knew that was going to happen in this episode, right? Yes, yes. We, we knew what we were going to do. And there's really only one other thing to talk about, so... Right, so, right, uh, which we'll, we'll spend a lot of time about that, be... too, I'm assuming. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I guess all that we need to really know about about money for this episode <laughs> is that Jake doesn't have any, Nog does not have enough, because they go to this auction... And a man outbids them for the well. He out he it, the the card is part of a lot, and it doesn't really seem yeah. like the man cares about the lot the card. But he bit he bit he buys he outbids uh, Nog on the lot. Yeah, because there's something else in the lot that he needs or or wants a lot, presumably. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, go on. Oh, I was just—I was going to say that uh, in, in the line I wrote down. Um, so yeah, they they go and try to bid for it, and the uh, the the man ends up bidding uh, double the amount of of Nog's life savings. Quark, who is the auctioneer, says sold to the blue man in the good. Ch- oh no, actually, that's that's no, that's not that's not him. That's somebody else. So it's he. The the thing that they Those sell before, before. Yeah, the, before, yeah. yeah, the thing they sell before they sell the lot is he. Uh, Quark says sold to the blue man in the good shoes. <laughs> Which I just thought was a, a funny line. Most of my notes in this episode are just quotes that I wrote down. Let's get um, that's, so, so yeah, so so they chase down this man and try to convince him to to let them either have or buy the the baseball card because they you know they clearly know that he didn't buy the slot because of the card. He want, just wanted something else. So like they want to know can they have the card? But he he's very suspicious of them because he thinks that he he keeps using the phrase the the soulless minions of orthodoxy um, and he thinks that that's who is is chasing him down. Mm-hmm. Um, now and- I do. I do have to break in one more time for for a quick um, <laughs> for a quick interjection here. When they do talk to him, he says he's he's being very suspicious, and he he does say to them like, "I haven't broken any laws except perhaps the laws of nature," <laughs> which right. did lead me to like think to myself, "Does he want to have sex with that baseball card?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I yeah, I uh, I I agree that. When when he's first kind of presented, you do imagine that he's guilty of much more like dirty things than what he yeah, ends he seems, up trying to do. Yeah, it seems like he's being portrayed as a deviant at the beginning of the, yeah. <laughs> uh, of the episode. He's but. he's so weird. Yes, and this, this is man. By the way, his name his name is Doctor Elias Geiger, I think, or Geiger. Geiger, sure. yes, this Geiger. will Elias become Geiger. important. It, in one part later on, um, but yeah, and so so they go like into his lab i guess is what you can call it um and he has all this i think it's just his room and then but he has a bunch of stuff yeah he has it. all like this equipment just... set up in there and is doing experiments and essentially what they find out is that he's trying to make he's trying to unlock the secret of immortality with a cellular regeneration and entertainment chamber <laughs> which i I, I I did actually like burst out laughing aloud when he when he said that like the way he did and I still even after the end of the episode I still am not sure how much this is supposed to be funny or not like his I think whole, it's supposed to be funny I think it, it's okay supposed to be so funny. he's supposed to be just kind of this like crackpot yeah you know this crazy idea okay I, so I, yeah because there was a while where I was could... very confused about like is this a real is this being presented as like real potential science or is this guy just a complete lunatic well yeah yeah so you're the you're the uh you're you're our, our medical correspondent brady why don't you why don't you give your your explanation of what the cellular regeneration entertainment center An entertainment or chamber. entertainment chamber sorry yeah what that what what he explains that that is so so basically he has decided that what ha- like the reason things die is because they're the cells that make them up get bored and then just decide to like give up on life because they're so bored so he thinks that if you can find some way to make things more fun for the cells and keep them entertained then they will keep living forever and it's some combination of like music and bright like flashing lights and i'm not i don't know that he ever really goes into what he does to entertain the cells but this is what he's trying to do is and the kind of the way he, he always talks about it is you can keep cells alive forever if you can just make it more fun for them <laughs> so now i i at the beginning I, I feel like you probably maybe had the same reaction well, well i guess we'll see but what i found very curious about this is that at the beginning of his explanation i thought he was kind of like speaking um 
euphemistically that basically yes. like that like to entertain a cell like you would just need to give it something to do you know yeah it seems it seems like a chamber yeah or it seems when he first describes it it sounds like a way you know just kind of a way to like explain something in a way that makes sense so you know it's not that the cells are getting bored it's that you know as their processes continue on they lose efficiency or energy and you know then the process but but then the more he talks about it you realize that he's actually like it's not a it's not using that as like a metaphor he's saying that the cells are literally getting bored and so they need to you need you need to do things that your cells will be like physically like actually entertained in like a, in a very real sense yeah um because that's that's that was the thing that i that i thought was really funny like uh, uh, because and again i do think this is intentional the way that they present all of this because at one point he says you know you can live forever basically if you are in this thing for eight hours every day and so i again thinking that it was mostly a euphemism i was like okay so he must just have to like you should just sleep in there yeah. And then, like, your cells get entertained while you sleep. But then later on, it shows him getting getting out of the thing. And he says, basically, like, interesting, but I was aboard after, like, hour five or so. Yeah. So I was like, wait, so you have to sleep for presumably, like, six to eight hours every night. And then for eight of your waking hours, for, like, half of your day that you're awake, you have to be inside of this thing. Being like, entertained. Where, while so- something happens. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> It was just like like just like another like little wrinkle is that basically like in order to keep from being like bored to death, you would have to live like an extremely boring existence, just like sitting inside of this uh, thing for for eight hours, like every day of your infinite life. Yeah. And so so anyways, so he essentially figures out how desperate Jake is to get the baseball card because Jake is like essentially reached the point of obsession in this episode like it it gets kind of crazy the things like the lengths he's willing to go to that he just like feels like he has to get this baseball card because it's gonna make everything better and so he gives them a list of things to collect for him to finish making his cellular entertainment chamber and and then it turns into what I wrote down or what I called Deep Space Nine, the role-playing game, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is, they just go on like this series of fetch quests that, you know, they go to get a thing, they go to get, uh, you know, a cellular suspension from the doctor, and the doctor's like, well, you know, I'll only give it to you if you go and get my teddy bear back from Yeah, someone. that's that's the craziest one, too. You, 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 I did, I, yeah, I did. There was another they one. To, that, they go to O'Brien first, I think. And, is uh, O'Brien first? Okay. Yeah, and then O'Brien, like, <laughs> wants them to basically they, they offer to like do some of O'Brien's work so we can go hi- kayaking on in a hollow suite but yeah then, gonna have a break yeah but then they have to go get so that's okay now apparently this character who they steal the who they steal the teddy bear from is like a recurring character on the show that yeah I didn't know that Bashir used to date I didn't know but I don't think we've ever seen her though no um, her name is Lita apparently um but that was that was like a really a really like weird like like totally I felt like out of place kind of comedy bit it was just that like Bashir really likes his teddy bear and he really misses it and rather than rather than asking for it back or doing this himself he's like well if you two children can break into this woman's room while she's asleep and steal this teddy bear for me then I'll give you these medical supplies <laughs> like that seemed like not yeah. a great look on him as someone who already is like we we are not super uh we don't super love on the show like (laughs) yeah yeah and he also like doesn't care what they're using the medical supplies for like i was thinking about that where because he basically said well just as long as you don't drink them and then like nog and nog and uh jake are like wait 
do you think that doctor's gonna that guy's gonna drink them like that but they don't know <laughs> like i was just thinking about my, my dad as a doctor or, but also like you too it's like if if i don't know i'm just trying to think of even someone who has like your similar like if if my kids came to you and were like hey uh, could you could you get us some like plasma from the hospital? Yeah, right. And you were like, "Well, I will only do that if, if I will do that, but only if you complete a meaningless heist." For yeah, me. <laughs> I just thought that was like kind of a bananas a bit of dereliction of duty on Bashir's yeah, part. Yeah, it does really. Seem, you know, medicine in the future, like maybe just because they have the ability to do so much, they've kind of gotten lax on traditional principles like doctor-patient confidentiality or not just giving out bottles of cellular whatever anaerobic metabolites i think is what it is yeah you you also do like wonder why can't they just replicate that like if they can replicate we know they can replicate water they can yeah. replicate food so it's not as if they can't replicate things that have like complex like cellular structures or whatever like yeah, can't that's a good question. can't a geiger replicate the stuff he needs or or like couldn't nog and and jake do it or i don't know it's it, it's again it, it's it's a question that, that that's not that you don't want to pull up that thread but yeah it's true that's kind of a slippery <laughs> slope i feel yeah. <laughs> um, but but yes. So so yeah, so they go on but it just very much felt like a like any number of, of video games where like you go up to you know, I'll give you the thing you want, but only if you do this for me and then you go to do that thing and they'll just like, Well, right. you can do that, but first you have to collect me, you know, five dire wolf tails and then you go Right, yeah. <laughs> so so they do it, and they kind of reference that they do a bunch of things for other people on the ship. They, I think, do something regarding it. I never get what they were doing for an opera for, with for Worf. They were listening to opera for Worf. So basically, they were making they were making Worf's opera. They were making it like they were they were, they were it's basically like producing it. They said they, I think okay. he, Nog was saying he was getting he was getting out these subharmonic distortions, okay. which he had like which he has to do manually for some reason, and which like for some reason weren't manually done before Worf received them. Like I don't really yeah. or, you know like unless, unless 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 Worf is just recording these like if Worf has a bunch of like kind of opera bootlegs maybe that he's making uh, Nog filter. Uh, yeah, he's manually, trying to get but, it from cassette to digital or something <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and then kira is and then and then uh, jake helps kira uh with a speech yeah, he, right, a speech. basically it's like for some for some reason kira has trusted jake who is a a teenage boy who is not from the same culture as she is like and thus maybe i would think not quite understand like the the jokes you know of the Bajor, of like a bajoran adults like uh he, she is she has entrusted him to punch up her speech which makes me think that kira must be a really bad speech writer slash giver she's just like yeah sure yeah. i guess jake i'd believe this it. like so i think that's all right it's like those four those things. are the ones they mentioned but you kind of you know you they kind of just montage a little bit that like they're running around and doing all these these fetch quests for different people on the ship and then they finally get all this stuff and oh and i think it's during this part it's uh, a it's it's they get it's when they they get sent to get the teddy bear and then someone mentions something about uh i forget what someone says something about a lion like they use some expression or idiom about that is about lions like poking the lion or that that leads to the the line one of either jake or nog says lions and geigers and bears and then the other one says oh my he look yeah nog says that and then uh, jake looks off into the distance and it says oh my and then that's the commercial break. So yeah. like, that would have been the movie. I, you I really break. have, I have like nothing that I could come up to actually say about that, but I felt like it couldn't pass without some sort of comment. Yeah. That that, that happened in this episode. 
Yes, that's you're right. I did. I also write that. I wrote that down as uh, just again, just a quote. But so now I think you know they they do all this stuff and then they go back Geiger's room and he's not there anymore. Which I think which which I think yeah. would suggest that we should probably then cut over to the yeah. other thing that's been happening during this. So episode. this is where it ties into the other thing that is going on during this episode. Which just to kind of quickly summarize the the uh, one of the representatives of the Dominion Way is it Wayun Wayun who is the yeah. Rob Below alien who yes discussed the one that's, that's on the show popped his head up in a few other episodes we've done and I I believe there are multiple like versions of him like he is like kind of like a, a clone or like he keeps on getting like duplicated somehow or something because he actually mentions that later on to Geiger that he has some kind of experience with like prolonging life. Okay. Yeah. And so so he has shown he's come to Deep Space 9 to meet with one of the leaders of Bajor to sort of try to convince them to ally with the Dominion instead of with the Federation for this kind of the sense that there's this war that's about to happen and uh you know Bajor's worried that because because they're right next to the wormhole they're going to be kind of this sort of caught in the crossfire and so they say well if you know if we don't sign some sort of treaty with the dominion then we're going to be the first planet they destroy and cisco and the federation are trying to convince them not to join with the dominion because presumably they're like a strategically valuable location if it because they're right by the wormhole well i would assume too that probably if they allied with the dominion that would force uh Starfleet to leave D Space Nine, D-Space Nine also. as well. Yeah. Um, and so so they kind of they're they're meeting with each other and during this, uh, the the Dominion become suspicious because his room is right above um, Geiger's room. They become suspicious that Geiger is doing something to either spy on them or try to affect them. And then they kind of pick up on they see Jake and Nog going around doing all these errands and think that it's all some conspiracy against them. So they kidnap Geiger, and then they kidnap Jake and Nog, and you know, accuse them of conspiring against them. And so uh, first, uh, I think first Jake tries to like tell them the truth. It was like, look, we were just doing this because we're trying to get this baseball card, and Wayun is like, that's essentially calls the plot of the, the episode this like ridiculous story of how could you even come up with that and try expect me to believe right, it. Yeah. <laughs> and then And then Jake tells like a terrible lie that he's that they're with like Starfleet intelligence, I think. Yeah, that they're with Starfleet intelligence and that Willie Mays is actually this like immortal time traveler that <laughs> like, yes, which is had really never funny. existed in records before a certain point and then just suddenly like appeared in history, which which <laughs> now is like an episode of Star Trek that I really want to see. Right, exactly. Yeah, but then Wayun is basically like, well, that lie was so stupid that I guess you probably were telling the truth the first time, first time. <laughs> which is a uh, a funny Wayun. I will say like. I, I know he's like not a good guy, but he I kind of he comes off to me as like pretty likable in this episode. Like he because this is before like the war actually officially starts, and so he kind of just seems like kind of a pleasant dude who happens to be working for like the wrong side. But uh, yeah, he doesn't really seem to have like a lot of malice in his heart or anything like that at this point, you know. Yeah, he's just kind of doing his job. Yeah, and then and then like Geiger ends up kind of telling Wayun what his research is about, and they just really hit it off and decide to go off and discover the secrets of immortality together and then he just kind of throws jake the baseball card before he leaves and it's just kind of the sense of like and it all works out for them right there's there's this there's this montage at the end where oh yeah that's right that too (laughs) 
Yeah, Wei Weyoun and Geiger are look are like look. He's uh, Geiger is like, and it's like playing over music, so you can't like hear anything. I don't think, or, or no, it's just playing. It's playing it's over. A yeah, it's playing over a voiceover of of Cisco being like, everyone seems to be in a pretty good mood. It, like, but he, I'm not yeah. sure why, because he doesn't know that they've like done all this. Because at one point earlier in the episode, like he gets they get caught. What do they even get caught doing? Because he gets really mad at them. I think they it's it's when they they accuse because at first they thought that it was the Bajorans that kidnapped Geiger. Oh yeah, so they, he, like, yeah. They think bursts that, into yeah. the room of this you know highly respected Bajoran leader and says you know why did you kidnap this guy just because he had like some Bajoran artifact and like causes you know sort of threatens to cause this like international incident when they're in the middle of these delicate negotiations. Yeah, and and Jake is so concerned about not ruining the surprise to um, yeah that he's still to to Cisco that that he lies and says that they were lie. drunk yeah but, uh, which also that that's another like thing that's running through this episode is the only reason why they have to do all this stuff is because Jake is insistent that they not tell anyone what they're doing because he said because because Nog is like well why don't you just you know Bashir why you need that medicine and he's like well but if Bashir knows he'll tell so-and-so and then she'll tell this person and then my dad will find out and so he's obsessed with like keeping it a secret with keeping um, it a secret and and not just like giving up on like you know he becomes so obsessed with like this car you know like this one baseball card is going to be the thing that's going to cheer my dad up and like mm-hmm. you know even like the harder and harder it gets he won't kind of give up on it and be like oh well you know this baseball card is becoming too much trouble I'll think of some other nice thing to do for my dad and then that all works <laughs> like this is the is at the end there's like it all works out for him there's like no consequences for him you know lying or becoming obsessed or like doing all this real shady stuff for an obvious crackpot it just he gets the card and it does cheer up his dad and like the, yeah you know <laughs> It cheers up his dad. Yeah, there's there's a really funny montage though of like Geiger and and um, Wayun who are like they they look at the car, they're like looking at the at the machine together like very excitedly and then like I think you just I think you might just see like O'Brien like just kind of like cheerful maybe after he's gone kayaking because they don't want to have the budget to show him kayaking and then like, you see Bashir like has his teddy bear and he's really like happy and then yeah. you see Lita who is like, who is like crying and inconsolable because she doesn't have a teddy bear anymore which like, was like a really funny like touch and then yeah that it ends with yeah and and, and, uh, and Warp's um, enjoying his operas and uh Kira like looks like she did a good job with her speech she's like I did it I nailed it like and she I think doesn't she even like say one of the jokes in it or maybe maybe she doesn't I think that maybe that's just I can't remember I feel like she might say one of the jokes but it's not a very good joke like because either she says it or Jake says it earlier I think think Jake says it when he's working on writing it and it's something about you know that I you know even though we're like outside at you know the north pole of Bajor like I didn't expect such a warm reception or or something like some sort of temperature joke maybe it's the other way I thought it was like uh, something about like 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 irrigation I didn't think irrigation could be so oh such a dry subject that's it that's what it is yeah which which is a joke I used to make uh, in my at the first newspaper I worked at, but by the way, I guess I should maybe I should just say on the show like low key like I don't work in newspapers anymore. I got a job at a board game company that I was doing like the cosplay stuff for. But anyway, at my, if you at my f- do read the newspaper, there's a real nice a real nice piece about it that I really liked. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, the first newspaper I worked at, I used to, they they um I would have to cover county board meetings and they would talk about like different ditches, like different like county maintained ditches all the time okay. that were like irrigation dishes for like farmers and it was like so so boring and i used to make that joke that exact joke to kim <laughs> about like oh, this is pr- pretty dry for this to have a and and i would not pitch that joke to a tv writer's room <laughs> but which to be to be fair i think nog does say like that's a bad joke <laughs> like, <laughs> i think so 
But um, yeah, but then that montage ends though with they give Cisco the baseball card, and Cisco, I believe, gives Jake a hug, and then like gives Nog a, a firm handshake, you know, <laughs> and, and yeah, it's great. Like and then the episode ends. Uh, it's it's wild. It's a wild. It's, um, it's a wild episode, but but like very entertaining though to watch. Like if, especially if you like are in are you, if you're in Star Trek, it's not like a episode I recommend to someone who's like not a Star Trek person already. But <laughs> yeah, like, no, it is definitely a there. There are episodes like this, and it's 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 a fun ride. I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd call it good, but it's it's. I laughed. I I laughed. Yep. Uh, I yeah. It was. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I I don't know if you have like other things you want to like touch on before we um before we leave, but um I did want to just quick. There's one other quote that we did not talk about that I wanted to mention just because I thought this was like a very funny good piece of writing, but also just like the performances I thought were really really good, which is that when he's when um. Geiger is explaining to Nog and Jake what the what the the chamber does, or uh, what he sa- he he starts up by saying, "Do you want to die?" <laughs> and then there's like, this long pause, and then like, <laughs> and then uh, almost almost but not quite in unison, Nog says no, and Jake says not really, <laughs> uh-huh. and they're just like kind of like non like very like confused like just like you are, are, you, are you th- no? is he threatening them? <laughs> not really. Yeah, they're just like what is this guy talking about I, I will say like I thought hard, like I thought Brian Brian Markinson is his name is the actor like did a very good job of the just kind of like weird crazy kind of creepy sort of off-putting like he just did that like mad science that variation on the mad scientist mm-hmm. character very well I thought you're just like you're weird <laughs> Yeah, all three of them in that scene, I thought just like that, like that, that like bit, like I felt like for that to work, all three of them had to kind of like be, uh, be on, you know, like, and so I'd say props to him, but also props to Sirach Lofton and Aaron, Aaron Eisenberg, or all three of them, I thought I was like, that was, that was some pretty funny, that was some pretty funny work. But, um, the only other thing too, is that beyond that is that just, we don't have to talk about it a lot because we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on her again, but, um, this is this is I'm now watched enough uh, DS9 where I can kind of be a little bit of a DS9 guide in the way that you're uh, a Voyager guide right. not, not quite I don't have as much expertise as you but like so that the the spiritual leader who they who from the from the the Bajorans who is there that's uh, when uh, Adamai I think is how you say her last name and she is the Kai of uh, Bajor and the Kai is basically like the Bajoran space pope okay and so she is she's on the show of I, she's a recurring character she's in like almost every season like you know at least once or if not more and she is like really really religiously conservative like the first time you see her she is it's basically like an episode about like teaching evolution it versus creationism in like public schools um and she is like on this because she she's basically wants wants this like school that's on deep space nine to only teach the the bajoran story of how the universe was created essentially hmm. and so she's got a very like dolores umbridge vibe i know you don't that doesn't that reference does not necessarily resonate with you but like the if you've read harry potter like you know what i'm talking about like she's very kind of like prim and proper and like passive aggressive but like don't get in her way if she tries to like if she wants to make it happen she's gonna make it happen and um yeah. she's a little bit more subdued in this than in the couple episodes i've seen her in but an interesting character like that 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 actress i think who does a great job and her name is louise fletcher and this is not like one of her big episodes she's kind of just there to talk to wayne for a little while 
and then I think how does that even end? Like what what uh, she decides not to ally she, with them, or they she she like essentially Cisco asks her to stall for time. Right, um, that's right. And then and she's like not sure whether to trust Cisco or not because there's this sense that the two of them have come into conflict, like have not always been seen eye to eye in the past. That's that's true. I mean, the 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 first the first episode that she's in, basically, like uh, per her bidding, someone bombs the school and then tries to assassinate someone else who could be her rival for space pope. So oh, that, that would uh, yeah. be yes. She definitely is not always seen eye to eye with him. Yeah. On, but on but matters. also because and this is another thing we've. I think uh, at least obliquely talked about before, but and it, I think it's is it the first episode that this is established that Cisco is the or the Bajorans consider Cisco to be the with the emissary of the prophets. I think is what yes. she calls him of kind of this you know even though he's not Bajoran, he's seen as this person that the the prophets who are their um, kind of deities that they that the Bajorans worship have chosen him as like a person that they will communicate through. Uh, and so so even though she like doesn't agree with him personally, you know, she will occasionally like go to him for advice on behalf of the prophets. And so she yeah. decides to trust him and to not, you know, immediately ally with the Dominion. And so she and then she does this thing where she when Wayne's trying to convince her, she reaches out and touches his ear and kind of sends is something in his in his like spirit of whether he's his pa you know, I think is what they yeah of kind of what his intentions it. or if he's good or bad and you get the sense that you know she says she's going to take it back to the council of Bajor and they'll discuss it and decide but you get the sense that she is going to like at least recommend against it or like that ultimately they're not going to do it Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a little minor thing, but I just wanted—I didn't want to let that pass by without saying that she's she's like an important uh, part of the show, even if this was not this episode was not mostly about uh, her. So did did you have any uh, other like little bits and bobs that you wanted to make sure we we mentioned? I don't think I did. I think we kind of covered it all. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think we would both say like if you if you're down to clown with Star Trek, definitely worth checking this one out. But if maybe you, I think I, I put out on Twitter that like our last episode uh, was kind of a good jumping on point. Um, not our last episode. I'm sorry. That's um, <laughs> no. No, our last episode that came out, which was okay. um, which was caretaker. Okay. Or care, yeah. care, caregiver. Caregiver. Caretaker. caretaker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that 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 was a good jumping on point. So if you've if you've listened to like a few episodes since then now, and, you, and you're not someone who's watching them as they come out, I would say not the best starting episode. But if you are like well versed in this period of Star Trek, definitely a fun one to check out. So yeah. or to revisit. So anyway, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we come out every two weeks, every two Sundays, and uh, or every other Sunday. I mean, and um, you can follow us on Twitter at contracts. You can email us at outofcontracts at gmail you can go to our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com or you can listen to us anywhere you find podcasts. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. And we are part of the Kaleidoscope Media Network of podcasts. So if you are interested in horror uh, media, please check out Here's Johnny. And if uh, you're interested in uh, like kind of how science interacts with uh, pop culture, there's a good podcast called uh, That's Not How Science Works you can check out. Or if you are really into Harry Potter and beyond my like occasional references on the show um check out uh, wizard studies so those are three very good podcasts for you to check out and we appreciate uh being with them and i still i keep on saying i'm going to email them one of them before on our record still see if anyone wants to come on i keep on not doing it so i just need to do it and we should have some of them on we should 
one of these days. Uh, so yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks. And what is the, the next episode we're doing is called Contagion, and that is Star Trek Next Generation Season 2, Episode 11. So if you want, you can watch that before our next episode, and we'll talk about it then. So thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Although listeners of this podcast may find themselves brave for having withstood classic episodes like the body switching, the enemy within, or the gothic witchy horror of Cat's Paw, we at the Here's Johnny podcast like to dive even deeper into the genre of horror. That's right, Justin, and even though you really dated yourself naming off two super old episodes of Star Trek, here on the Here's Johnny podcast, we review video games and films from all over the horror genre, looking at different subgenres like vampires, aliens, and zombies, and then we compare the similarities and differences between the media. We also have discussion-based episodes, which range from interviews with people in the industry, deep dives into directors, and their filmography or analysis into video game timelines. Yeah, that fictional history of Resident Evil was quite the doozy, but be sure to check us out. You can find us on any podcast site. We have new episodes every Monday, and our website is here's Johnny Podcast.wixsite.com backslash horror. And on there, you can find links to our episode feed, all our social media. It is all there. And remember, in space, no one can hear you scream. And stay scary.